Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach in Topeka, Kansas. I run Strength Guild. I'm also a powerlifter and Highland Games athlete. And this is John Mike. I'm finishing up my PhD in exercise science. I'm a team member and columnist for EliteFTS.com. I write for major fitness and bodybuilding magazines, and I like to lift heavy. Uh, my name is uh, Chad Kirksick. I actually uh, currently work for University of New Mexico uh, as assistant professor of exercise science. I'm actually starting at uh, Lindenwood University, which is near my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, in uh, in January, actually, um, in exercise science department. I, I teach and do research in, in areas related to exercise and nutritional intervention. Right on. Well, Dr. Kirksick, let's start with your origin story then. Um, You've taught at some different universities. You've contributed a lot of research. Uh, and obviously, you went all the way through school, not even including the certifications that go with it. So why? I mean, how did this start? Did you have a, a passion for uh, weight training, or was it nutrition first? Or how did you get involved in everything that you do? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a great question. That's a fun question. I mean, you know, so I think like a lot of extra science majors, I, I got into Exercise science as an undergrad, just because I liked sports. You know, I was a former high school athlete, wasn't a very good one. Um, and just kind of, I parlayed that into doing some athletic training. Uh, as I kind of made my way through the undergraduate curriculum, I, I just I had a personal interest in, in resistance training and strength conditioning. So then I, I started working with some of our teams uh, in that area. And uh, from there, I, I knew I wanted to go to graduate school. I just, I liked, I liked the content. I liked learning about it. Actually, I took a year off um, and worked for a high school uh, about an hour west of Chicago. Um, was basically a strength conditioning coordinator and um, did some things with the administration at, at Rochelle, uh, Illinois, about, like I said, about an hour west of Chicago. And then got my master's at the University of Memphis and hooked up with Rick Kreider there. Um, very fortunate to have worked with him. Uh, he has done a, uh, a good bit of work uh, surrounding sports nutrition and uh, dietary supplements and weight loss and whatnot. And um, the exposure there to the research process, it really just got my mind going on on uh, answering different questions and everything else and just uh, continued with education, turned that into a Ph.D. with Dr. Kreider at Baylor University um, and then just, you know, uh, decided to get into the academic realm and um, you know, kind of pursued faculty positions and have continued continued along those lines. So, but, you know, why I do it, why I like the sports and nutrition, I, I mean, you know, w one of the things that I, th that I think is really neat about our, our area of just health and exercise is there's, there's a lot of people that may not necessarily have any formal education in health and exercise, but they just, like, they... they uh, they like to work out. They like to compete. You know whether they're uh, whether they're on five k's, ten k's, you know marathons. Um, you know they like to they like to participate in different types of you know sports. 
Um, there, so there, there's a lot of people that have an interest in what we do and know. Um, and, and so it, it gives us nice platforms to be on shows like this, to be able, you know, to, to have a, um, a candid audience for uh, various uh, written works that we may do. And um, so that that's one thing that I just, I, I, I continue to, to really enjoy about it is that there's, there seems to be a never-ending supply of topics and information, and, and then there's just a lot of people that, that, that really like it. You know, as I would right. say, it's not it's not necessarily true in the reverse. You know, like, you know, just because somebody does accounting or American literature doesn't necessarily mean that anybody else is really going to like it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that just kind of explains, you know, why I do it, why I, why I like the things that I do. Um you know, then outside of the different research topics that we do, a lot of that is kind of based upon our uh, our students' interests. Um, you know, I think that that tends to make the the thesis and dissertation project um, a little more enjoyable. It's not this whole <laughs> the whole system is not necessarily designed to be enjoyable. Um, so I think to be able to do topics that they really like um, ends up working out really pretty well. I'm actually I'm working really really closely with John on his dissertation and. Um, he's doing an outstanding job on that topic, and you know we're we're finishing up that project, and um, you're going to have some data that we'll generate that will that will really kind of help provide some information on how we how we train eccentrically. Uh, so that's you know so those are that's just one example. Um, you know I, I don't know I just I I find myself I guess to expose the the nerdiness in me. You know I, I find myself just being fascinated with you know trying to picture in my mind kind of what's going on inside the body as we're studying these different things and everything else. Right. Now, if, so my understanding is you've done quite a bit with obviously nutrition, but also like muscle physiology. So are you drawn more to the resistance training side as opposed to the traditional sort of endurance and cardio kind of thing you see in exercise phys uh, departments? Yeah. Gr- great follow-up question, Lonnie. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, actually I am, I, you know, I, I, and it, it just worked out kind of well for me, you know, like when I was going through college, I, I liked resistance training. I was kind of a, you know, just like a pretty typical college male interested in, you know, bodybuilding and being lean and being as strong as you could and whatnot. And then, but as you started to learn, as you start to learn more about it, you know, then that, that kind of transitioned into, you know, it's really cool to make people really, really strong or really, really fast. Um, but then as I got into my faculty work at, at, at University of Oklahoma for the first stop, I, um, we, did a, we did a good bit of skeletal muscle biopsy research, and, and we, we started, we did uh, three studies that, that really kind of, um, kind of targeted older populations, the elderly population, and, and, and that was really where uh, I, I really found value in combining resistance training uh, to help help those individuals lives just be better right you know i mean they're stronger they have more power you reduce their reduce their falls they can pick their grandbabies up i mean just all those types of things um so as i'm in it more and more i i find value in combining resistance training with nutrition and with muscle to really try and help populations help to glean some information for populations that you know that that will really improve the quality of their life, they right. want to look better in the mirror. Well, let me ask you this then, Chad. So, 
Obviously, you know what goes on under the hood, so to speak, when it comes to what's happening in muscle tissue and with different nutrient interventions. Uh, has what you learned, uh, you know, especially watching it empower people like you were just talking about, has it changed the way you train? I'm assuming you lift weights yourself. Uh, do. Does yeah. it... Does yeah, it encourage I mean, you? I mean, you know, does it change how you set up programs, all that sort of thing? It, you know, it, it has in um, a couple of different distinct ways. I, I think anytime, you know, you read some recent research and you see some findings, um, you know, you, that, you know, you'll experiment with, with them, with the different types of exercises and programming. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you'll try different, you know, combinations of exercises or rest periods or patterns or, you know, I mean, kind of whatever, you know, the latest article is that you read. Um, but also, really, what, it, what it, another thing that it's done for me is I think the more that I learn about, like, how the muscle responds and how our body responds so positively to resistance training, I mean, there's, you know, so then you take this whole segment of the population where they, they've put our kind of our overall public health in crisis, and that's our folks that don't do anything, you know, we, 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 we really, you, we really do know, you know, we're starting and understand a lot better that just getting them to do, do anything, um, is, is going to help them health wise. And that, that has really, I think, helped me with some of my messages when I speak in a more, in a more public forum about general aspects of health and exercise and resistance training that, you know, hey, don't get caught up in all of these, you know, in in all of these details. You know, um, just make sure that you're getting into the gym and working reasonably hard and doing so on a regular basis. And then, you know, then once you've kind of, you know, once you're a, a, a regular goer in the gym, now you've quote unquote you've earned the right to be concerned with how many sets, how many reps, you know, what's your rest period, what type of bar should I use, what type of grip should I use, and everything else. Um, John and I have exp I've expressed those sentiments to John many times. I mean, there's just so many so many people out there that, you know, whether it's about exercise or nutrition, I feel like the conversation, you just get sucked up into all of these details, whether they're yeah. worried about, you know, the exact time that they need to eat their food or what type of protein to consume or anything else. And the reality is, is they're, you know, their, their, their diet is garbage throughout the whole day, the whole, right. you know, but that they're worried about this one finite period of time or this one finite nutrient. Um, so I, so that I think has helped my, my being involved has helped me with that message. You know, it's, it's actually remarkable. Well, maybe not so remarkable, but it's encouraging over the last five years, we've been doing this, <laughs> this podcast the guests that we've had on have been just so consistent with the message of keep it simple, stupid, you know, and yes. I mean, whether it's someone like an Eddie Cohn or it's a professor, uh, I'm sure longtime listeners, uh, you know, you're just you're reaffirming what so many other people have said. You know, you have to sort of uh, not get bogged down in the minutia. And so many times people do that, whether it's with supplementation or elaborate uh, programming, you know, instead of just getting some basic experience under the bar for a couple of years, not a couple of weeks, but maybe even, you know, year, two years or more. Yeah, even more than usually, usually more than that, because any more of the questions that I get are all based around, you know, what type of supplements that they need to consume and what types of pre-workouts 
they need to have before they go into the gym. They haven't even mastered any fundamental movements yet. <laughs> right. You know, they're t- trying to take some um, herb or phytochemical that they perceive as anabolic, and they're eating about 1,800 calories a day like the little wimp that they are. You know, they got the shirt yeah. that says, I bench 185 or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm just, I just, anyway, I just, you know what, I'm... I, I, no hate, right? I, I'm just, My. it's just funny that it's so common that you, it's usually those guys that you're talking about, Mike, you know, they're so obsessed over one of these little things, you know, and they're the guys that are really big or really educated or both like we've had on the show. Uh, the messages are usually come full circle. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The more you learn, you sort of come back to this. But at the same time, Phil, I remember you saying once, it's not like you can just jump into modern modern art and splash paint on a canvas yeah. and say you're great. You have to go through the, this full circle process yeah. in many ways. So you know what to eliminate. You know, you add um, things in, whether it's sets or reps or supplements, and then you, oh, I don't need those so much. It's actually more important that I just eat and put more weight on the bar. You know, that My kind of favorite thing. one that's prevalent in the strength field is I get it all the time with, at my facility is, yeah, I'd come in, but I need to get in shape before I come in. And it's like, well, that's why we're here. You know, you don't get cancer and then cure it before you go see the doctor. You know? Yeah, right. I need yeah. to cure myself before I go to the doctor, you know, no, or whatever. Right. I need to really do my taxes before I take it to my accountant, you know. Come on, that's that's our job is to teach you how to do it right from the start. Well, I, I will I admit, though, when I was a kid, when I was in my mid-teens, I'd go to the gym, and I did feel, I felt small. I was a skinny kid, you know, and I was a, I don't know if intimidated is the right word, but I wanted to be built, you mm-hmm. know. I wanted to be like those more senior lifters because it was a mom pa, very bodybuilding, you know-esque kind of gym. Yeah. So I can see why people... Uh, want to do that but let's face it i mean certainly if the coach isn't supportive like you're saying it's like well no yeah. that's why you came here let's get you yeah. like that you know <laughs> absolutely hey um guys we're going to drift into the topic of the day if we're not careful i want to share one little bit of news and phil or john if you guys have any news real quick before we go to break though because uh, i'm just speaking with dr kirk's like i'm getting some uh questions certain sort of percolating for him and then we'll have a nice discussion about you know nutrition sports nutrition research and whatnot but um i got an an email from david and i'm just going to share this strength and muscle sport news it says um hope you are well love the show you guys inspire me big time uh i recently purchased some protein and in the uh the protein and nutrition book that is from your site so if people are listening last time we opened up the little store it's not meant to be some big deal. It's really not what we're about. But if you're going to buy something, uh, you can go see what Rob or Phil or I or John, if you want to create a side of the store, fantastic. We'll just put your recommendations in there. But that way people, you know, they keep asking stuff like what's a good sports nutrition book or what wraps do you recommend or this way you just know. I mean, you know mm-hmm. what Phil likes. You know what I'm reading, you, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, uh, so this guy, uh, David, uh, thank you. He says, I'm always learning says, uh, I heard a commercial on your recent podcast uh, regarding an audio seminar you did about increasing testosterone levels. Any chance I can get this? Yes. Actually, people, if you want to make, as the holiday seasons approach, right, so there's a little uh, public service message in the middle of the show. You'll hear it in just a moment here about making one-time donations or becoming a supporting member because we do have that public listener format, right? We try very hard not to nag. Like if you listen to certain 
university radio stations that are NPR affiliated and or you know something like that. They're always doing these fun drives, and we're trying not to bug you often. But that is how we keep paying the servers and whatnot. So if you are currently a supporting member and you hadn't heard this, because uh, we want to support people who are long-term members too, of course, or if you want to make a donation, one-time donation, or be a supporting member, uh, there is a brief audio clip that I will give you for free about how to realistically – now, this is a sober reflection of the literature, right? This isn't any kind of drama, but a sober way to bump up your testosterone levels, 10%, 15%, that sort of thing. Uh, if you're interested, I can send you that audio uh, for free uh, if you are donating or supporting in some way. So David just wraps up and says, keep up the great work. You guys inspired me to crash through barriers. I'm up 20 pounds since listening to the podcast. My strength is increasing at a great pace. I'd say 70-30 muscle-to-fat ratio, so all is good. So, yeah, I, I love to nice. hear when guys say that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. you know. And, again, I think it comes back to that KISS principle mm -hmm. you know, that we've all been sort of tangenting on just <laughs> since Dr. Kirksick made the comment you know, about just yeah. putting some time in the gym and, you know. And, and Lonnie, and just, just real quick to kind of fully reaffirm that point, there there is – absolutely consistent published research to show that you know even if you got 15 minutes you know you had a stressful day you got 15 minutes you really don't want to get in the gym but if you get in there and do and do something and go reasonably hard you may not get any better that day but you will but but if you don't get to the gym and you and you don't get to the gym consistently you will absolutely get worse from a health perspective so even yeah, just yeah. getting in and just doing a little bit you may not be better. You may not get better, but you will. You will. You will keep yourself from getting worse. I'm mm -hmm. feeling that these days, Chad. I'm telling you, and I know uh, Phil. You too. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you take some time away, once you're a sort of war scarred veteran lifter, you know, stuff like little things uh, that could, you don't want to become big. You know, like the stiff joints, and you're trying to keep your range of motion. You know, keep your metabolism from feeling sluggish, you know, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I've really noticed that. If I step away from the gym because I get bogged down at the university or something, you know, lately I've been getting up at 4 a.m. to do these, you know, um, pre-breakfast data collection type things. And it's when I don't go in, I really do regress. And I really feel that, too. You know, maybe it's worse when you're middle-aged, I guess. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, point well taken. All right, fellas, let's go to break, and then we'll be right back, and we're going to talk about the topic of the day, which focuses on Dr. Kirksick's research. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press and Protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for 69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the 99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. 
lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. I can't stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in this Hi listeners, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Radio in your thoughts. Every week for four years now, it's been our privilege to bring you weekly news, experts, and gym talk. Did you know that now roughly 20,000 brothers and sisters of Iron count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes... We are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more. That's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, we're back from break. Uh, Iron Radio, John Mike, uh, Lonnie Lowry, Phil Stevens, and we have Dr. Chad Kersick with us. Uh, we've been talking about various topics of, of sports nutrition, and I know, um, uh, Chad, you're getting ready to do a, uh, a creatine um, supplementation uh, study uh, in the new year. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that and what, what that involves? Yeah, so I, obviously, I mean, uh, creatine supplementation has been popular for, for uh, what, 20, 30 years now, I guess. And um, th- it was basically just trying to expand upon um, Joey Antonio's study where he did some, uh, basically looked at the uh, timing of creatine. So Joey, uh, the CEO of International Society of Sports Nutrition, he's out in Nova Southeastern in Florida, 
uh, he did a, a four-week study um, with kind of a group of college-age men and did um, basically gave a dose of cretin before each bout of exercise and a dose of cretin afterwards and um, just kind of a little pilot work, really nice study overall, you know, looked at some changes in strength. And um, um, so we're going to, we basically it, it, um, expanded it. We're going to do um, um, upper and lower body strength and endurance assessments. Um, we'll do some body composition assessment. And we're actually going to work, we're going to train them for kind of two weeks on the front end, um, kind of as a run-in period. And then we'll, we'll train them um, for, for over a, um, train them and supplement them for 10 weeks. So looking at changes in basically resistance training adaptations. And they're doing all the training in the lab, right? Yeah, they will. Um, we, you know, we'll, we'll be doing that study at Lindenwood. Um, so a lot of it will just depend upon, uh, you know, kind of how their, their layout works. You know, I mean, um, uh, a good bit of our resistance training work that I did with Rick, you know, we, we, we would we'd do training studies and basically kind of um, use like a free living approach as well, where we'd have, um, you know, kind of folks just, just basically, they would kind of train at their own gym, train on their own. We give them a program and kind of keep up with them on a weekly basis and they come in the lab and be tested. So we may, we may try and do a little bit of both. Just depends on, yeah. on what works. Yeah, um, are, you gonna, are you guys going to give them a, a, like a regimen or a sample upper or lower body routine or, um, some control of dietary, um, patterns? Yeah, of course. So, you know, we'll, you know, of course, the supplementation protocol be, um, you know, double blind placebo controlled. So we've got, we've got a really nice placebo that, that again, um, um, Joey helped us out with. So they'll, um, so they'll be, they'll be blinded to what they're taking. Um, everyone will be given uh, a four day a week, uh, kind of a split body, linear, linear period, periodized uh, resistance training program that we've, we've used for years. And, and um, dietary controls will really be kind of more of, um, of of don't change what you're doing kind of a thing. Just you know, kind of add the supplement and um, don't change what you're doing. We'll we will record their dietary intake across the study to make sure that there that there weren't any fundamental changes in it. Um, you know, and then certainly kind of use that as a as a basis to make final conclusions upon. Well, not, not, you know, Lonnie, you know as well as I do, you know, most of the creatine studies are done with, you know, powder. So, is Chad, is this powder or is this like a more of a liquid? It, it, you know, it, um, it's actually a liquid. It's a, so, um, it, you know, again, I call, basically called Joy on the phone and I said, you know, hey, I'd like to, you know, kind of do a, do a, you know, like an expansion on your study. And so he set me up with this, with a, uh, with a distributor. Um, yeah, and it's basically just looks like a little shot, you know, um, uh, just like a little shot of creatine. I think it's maybe like maybe about four four fluid ounces, maybe three fluid ounces, and there's um, five grams of creatine inside it. Okay, so that let me ask the question then, uh, if I may. That my understanding is liquid creatine is creatine is not particularly stable. So has that been solved? You know, Lonnie and I, I, I actually, I got on the phone with with Joey about that because when I was at Baylor, we had done some work with um, some creeds and serum and everything else, and that was my understanding. But I mean, he he reassured me that they have kind of solved those problems, you know. So we basically decided to move forward from there. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's a great, great question. That's a phenomenal question. Well, you know, it, practical tip for listeners, if you take a creatine product and if you are concerned uh, if it's, you know, fully potent, you should gain, if you're a decent-sized man, like Phil says, grown-ass man, then you're going to gain probably three or four pounds 
over the course of maybe a four or five day period if you're going to load it you know if you're going to do the heavy loading type approach and not just take a tablespoon after you lift you know five grams after you lift over the course of a month but if you do a traditional you know four or five day load the water retention and in a lot of ways it's good water retention it's intramuscular water but it's one way you could just get on the scale and you can get some idea you know that that's you know it hasn't broken down or you know it's actually uh fully potent i guess you know so let me follow up with that then so um i've heard all kinds of screwy things about creatine and i bet our listeners have too oh it's a steroid it's this and that people have really (laughs) really weird ideas about dietary supplements you know in fact i was talking to a a colleague of mine ron mendel you know also active in the issn and whatnot and and uh we're actually going to do a talk on anabolic steroids across campus next week and he and i were sort of you know going back and forth about how you know dietary supplements they almost get talked about in the same tone or the same paragraph you know when someone starts to go on about anabolics and ergogenic aids and all becomes a sort of big blur in a way but so chad have you experienced any negative perceptions i mean because dietary supplements whether it's creatine or so many of the things that we look at i think our listenership is pretty positive about these things you know but you ever hear anything strange like that or you you know that somehow ergogenic aids are not ethical or something yeah of course it it really it 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 happens all the time and i i would i'd be willing to bet any academic who's doing research on a regular basis with dietary supplements and and whatnot um, um, hear it and kind of, kind of feel those sentiments. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just like you mentioned before, I was in a, at a, I think it was a regional, regional sports medicine conference and the, you know, like the, the, the title of the talk is several years ago. The title of the talk was something along the lines of anabolic steroids and, uh, other illicit su- substances or whatnot. So they go through and they talk about, you know, uh, all of different steroids and, and other things that are, that are illegal, and then they finish with discussions about caffeine and creatine. You know, and, and I was just—I raised my hand at the end, and I was just like, "They—they they don't belong in this this topic." You know, they are—they—they are—I mean, they're nutrients. They're classified as dietary supplements. I mean, you know, I mean, they're not illegal to possess. I mean, you know, all of the different. Um, different types of categories and classifications that, that may come in and you know and then even from another realm you know as you're going through the IRB process at different universities um, at, at bigger universities like here at University of New Mexico there's there, there's there, there's always a lot of, of clinical experts you know so various physicians and um, pharmacists nurses and whatnot that'll, that'll kind of be serving on the IRB um, and, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that, that this is the case in New Mexico, but, but it, it, again, it, it many, um, instances in that there, there's a perception that dietary supplements are not regulated. And I understand where that comes from, but that, but that, that's, that's just fundamentally not true. I mean, they are regulated by the FDA and they're regulated according to, you know, according to, you know, the Dietary Supplement Health Education, Health Education Act. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's, it, it is, it's vastly different than drugs. You know, I mean, and, and food and everything else. But to say that they're not regulated, 
um, I, I just I don't I don't I don't feel as a true statement. You, you know, know, guys, uh, Phil, let me ask you: Have you seen the movie uh, Bigger, Stronger, Faster? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. do you, I don't? Do you guys think sometimes? Although I like the, it's fairly neutral, <clears throat> you know, in the way it even addresses anabolic steroids. To be honest, yes. but beyond that, um, I almost think it, it, I don't know. It continues the concern. It you know uh, publicizes this idea that people can just start a dietary supplement company in their kitchen and encapsulate yeah. their own stuff and. I don't, Phil, do you think that's true anymore? I mean, do guys still just start supplement companies that easily, or is the FDA sitting on them? It's not as true as it was at one point. I think when the movie came out, yeah. Um, Because like we've talked about before, I proved that. It took me like three days to become FDA approved. Right, (laughs) right. I just did it to see if I could. (laughs) Right, I remember. And I was like an FDA approved lab. And it's like, the only warning they get is like, we can pop in any time. And it's been like 10 years and they haven't. So, um yeah, but I don't think, I, I don't think it's that much anymore. There's a lot more regulation now than there was, say, eight ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that was relevant at the time of the movie, though. Yeah, so. I, well, I do too, and I think it, it sort of shocked people. But you yeah. know, I sort of to uh, Chad's point is, it's not just the free for all. You know, whether it's the sales or creating this, and I have known some. I've had some grad students actually who started their own supplement companies and mm-hmm. that sort of thing, and. You know, then you could kind of say, I'm CEO of this or that company yes. and, you know, and that sort of thing. And, <laughs> you know, it, maybe it's bragging rights. I don't know. But uh, there are a lot of good manufacturing practices. And, you know, there are a lot of things. I think some of the people, when you tour some of the bigger labs especially, um, yeah, you get the idea that they, there are indeed, I agree, regulations about this stuff now, you know. And so it's it's not quite the free-for-all. My next question that I had jotted down was – uh, one to two of your favorite discoveries. So over your years, you know, you've collected a lot of data, you've read a lot, but as far as things that you have discovered, Dr. Kirksick, what what jumps to mind? What are some of your favorite things that we now know that we didn't before? Um, That's kind of a hard question. I know you well, got to no, pick. I, I've got one. I've got one really good one that, that was actually my thesis. Um, we published a paper in Journal of Strength Conditioning Research in 2006. Um, we were doing um, a study of, uh, that we had basically, so we had resistance trained people for 10 weeks. We were ex- basically examining the impact of a combination of um, protein and, and different amino acids. We had three groups. We had a carbohydrate placebo. We had a protein control, uh, which was... 40 grams of whey protein and 8 grams of casein protein. And then we had a, we had the experimental group as well. Uh, so obviously our whole study was designed and set up to identify the what we hypothesized to be the, the, the favorable influence of the combinations of protein and, and these, these free-form amino acids. But we actually found that that the combination of whey and casein was was the best mm-hmm. within our study design where you know we saw the greatest increases in lean mass and strength. Well, at the time, I mean, that was really before much of our information about whey and casein and its their distinct differences. Um, before that, really kind of came came to came to fruition, if you will. So, so at the time, we were we were kind of scratching our heads, you know, kind of like, wow, it was an externally funded project. You know, we're like, geez, this is this is not really the message that we intended on conveying. 
So, you know, that that is an area where I, I, I continue um, as I kind of move forward in the Lindenwood. I, I, we have not really done, and I don't really think anyone's done an appropriate follow-up to, to see when we talk about protein, there, there definitely does seem to be some fairly consistent evidence that, that different combinations of proteins, different blends, if you will, may really kind of offer a, a most advantageous benefit. You know, we have a lot of conversations about whey and casein and soy and right. other sources. So that was, that was one thing that, that has continued to, to spark my interest. You know, like I don't really know, I'm not really aware of any studies that have been done that, that have, been developed to determine is there an optimal blend of whey and casing, for example, or and then I know that the group there's a group out of St. Louis, uh, Soleil, who makes um, soy. They've they've contracted with um, one of the groups down in Galveston, uh, where they in Galveston, Texas, they have a they have a kind of a history of doing a lot of really high quality protein and amino acid trials, and they were they were adding soy. To the combinations of whey and casein, and um, their their work is still pending. But but you know, um, so I, that was one one discovery that I, it to me again it becomes fascinating when you when we know the distinct differences between whey and casein individually, but then you start to think about the benefits of combining them, and then you know then the last step for me, which hopefully we'll get to do at some point, is to do a study where we have we have all different combinations, you know, different ratios, and we just compare them head to head. Right. Um, yeah. So that that's the first one that really kind of pops into our head, um, and then you know really another thing was it kind of goes back to what we how we when we opened the show with you know doing the um, uh, there's there's two more things and it and they're not really related to empirical findings but when we started doing the work with the elderly with resistance training we we, we got we got a lot of kickback from. Re, uh, People that were in a position to have concern over whether our, 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 research, our resistance training protocols were too aggressive for the elderly populations, um, and we were just doing, I mean, 75, 80 percent more RM for, you know, I mean, um, eight to 10 RMs. It was, you know, with, I mean, leg extension, hack squat, leg press, um, just a really sound lower body resistance training program. So, the front end of it, there was, there's still a lot of, on the, on the very, on the the clinical end of doctors, physicians, and whatnot—they were hyper conservative over the the ability of, of an aged muscle to respond to that type of a loading pattern. And then, and then once we did the studies, I mean, the, I mean, the old guys responded fantastically, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it it provides this evidence of, hey, look, you know, we can, you know, just because somebody's older doesn't mean that they're that it's over for them, right? You know, I mean, they can still they can still lift and make improvements and all of them got stronger and, you know, and everything else. So that was, that was another, I think, important lesson. It was really particularly great for, for the, for the doctoral students that were working, working with me at the time. I think to just kind of see that, you know, Hey, this, this, this older population, they really responded quite well too. You know, Chad, we saw that when I was a grad student in San Diego, uh, I was very much into bodybuilding at the time. And, uh, I would train, there was a research project with bone density with these, uh, elderly women. And I mean, they were between 75 and 95. They were old, right? And they got really strong. They could do toe pushups. Some of them, not knee pushups. You know, one of them ran a, a triathlon, I mean, crazy fit, you know, and so it's very encouraging 
to watch, you know, to see that just because you're older. I mean, uh, a couple of months ago, I was in the gym and I was just feeling stiff and kind of old. And we have a guy up at Bodybuilders Gym there uh, in Akron, and he's like 90. And I'm like, you know, I have no reason to feel sorry for myself because I'm, I'm a little stiff and I got a little osteoarthritis kicking, you know, because this right. guy, these people really do make progress. But I think most importantly, to your point, that's why we love to have guys like you on the show, because some of these things are accidental discoveries almost, you know, like you just happen to notice that it's not just about the hypothesis of the study, but you're like, damn, these guys can really progress, you know, or we made a couple of observations lately about how some of these pre-workouts they seem to be affecting the bench press, at least in our lab, more than the squat. And, you know, why is that? I mean, why does something agree or disagree with another lab? Or, But the point is, I think it was Isaac Asimov had a, a really cool quote about this. I don't, maybe listeners, you can just Google Google image or something. But he said something about one of the most exciting phrases you can hear in science isn't, you know, just eureka, but, hmm, that's funny, you know, and... I love those yeah. sorts of just observations. And the only way to do that is to be in the frickin' lab and collect data yourself. You can't just do reviews of other people's work. You, this kind of stuff that you just notice. You're like, hmm, that's interesting. You yeah, know? Well, I mean, that's funny you mention that because Dr. Kurzik and I have talked about that a lot recently. <laughs> it's just that's some of the best discoveries out there, just finding things accidentally, regardless of what your hypothesis you know, may or may have been and, and what you even speculate, speculate, it turns out to be something totally different, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, and I bet, Phil, you can chime in on that too because Phil and I have talked about before how it's sort of circular. You know I mean? You, you, there are different ways to make observations, and so coaches out in the field, so to speak, and in the gyms, they can make those same kind of, hmm, that's funny, you know, kinds of observations. And you take a note, and then hopefully you get this, like, translational research thing where, you know, a reciprocal model where the researchers then document it, then we can stand on that fact and reach higher. You know what I mean? But um, a lot of that stuff, I don't know, Phil, if you've ever seen anything that really surprised you, but you're, you know, it's just like, wow, that's funny, you know. Well, I mean, a lot of it is, comes down to, like, the whole... I don't know. We've had this discussion before, like the whole fasted cardio in the morning thing. Like a lot of times the science says it's not worth a shit, but, you know, 30 plus years of bodybuilders doing it very successfully says it does. You know, the practical knowledge out there says, look, I don't care what the study says. You know, <laughs> I'm seeing people get lean, you know. Yeah. And there's got to be some kind of the, the bad thing is there's a disconnect between a lot of the coaches, the practical and the science. And they need to come together a little better. Well, and sometimes I think fads sort of permeate both practical and yeah. the science side, unfortunately. But, mm -hmm. yeah, like lately the fad is high intensity all the time yeah. or just go home. But, you know, if you want to save your energy to, to train heavy with weights later, mm -hmm. maybe, yeah, just going out and doing <clears throat> some light walk jog or something like that just mm -hmm. to control your body fat. It's just... You know, and you know there are some studies about fat balance as opposed to calorie balance and all that kind of thing. But it, what you're saying is is similar to what Chad, what you were saying with uh, protein blends. You know, there are different ways. We have not come up with an optimal way to skin the cat with these things. You know, whether it's body fat, it depends on the situation or what proteins to include in that blend. You know, there's this is the kind of stuff you just have to notice what happens and then follow up on that instead of trying to reverse engineer and prove a point you know i'm always telling my students science doesn't care what we want remember that science doesn't care you know and then just make the observations and if they're weird then follow that but don't waste neurons on stuff that's probably you know just your opinion anyway
Right. Yeah. You know, like there, all of the conversation. I mean, seeing that that for me that goes back to your very very first question to me. Like, I as a scientist, like I love I love being right in the middle of that of that spot. You know, within like it's so enjoyable to to find something, think about you know, and then it, it but it may take you months or years to just reading and kind of always thinking about it and following up on it. But I mean that that is that's just. That is really kind of where the scientific process, I think, really, really excels. Is when you just find something, and then you just then your mind goes to work, and you and you and you go down that road until it uh, until you find something else out. Right. So. No. Right on. All right. Well, we're almost out of time, and uh, so I guess. And you know, John, do you have any other questions before? Uh, no, I, I thought I thought I just wanted to thank you for coming on. I think it's always great information to hear from a researcher and and a practitioner, you know, to help kind of bridge that guy gap. Yeah, just all, always great info for uh, for our listeners. No, oh, yeah, right on. Okay, everybody. Well, uh, Phil, any last thoughts? No, I'm good, man. Cool. Okay. Well, we will uh, catch up with everybody next week. Thanks again, Doctor Kirk. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank, thank you. Thank Thanks you. Thank you very much. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.